listening to the teaching of Doxa Church. Doxa is located in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and our mission is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Y'all can open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. We're still going to be in Exodus this morning, but it's going to be more of a Less of a survey like it was last week and more of a condensed. We're going to nail down some scripture this morning. So if you've got a Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 3. Last week, we, we, were, we were in this sort of series, mini-series, if you want to call it, called the Perspectives in Exodus. We're looking at, last week we looked at the perspectives of the Israelites and, and what they went through and, and how they... Uh, what all they had to go through to get out of Egypt and how if they were focused on their own story, it was hopeless. But when they looked up and looked out at what God was doing and looked at his story, then that's where true hope and true, uh, true deliverance comes from. And this morning, we're actually going to be focusing in on Moses. And I got to tell you, this one is a little personal for me because this is part of my testimony, but we'll get to that in just a minute. So if you got a Bible, Exodus chapter 3, this is going to be kind of lengthy, so hang on tight. Um, we'll, we'll get through it. Um, it says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock on the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight while this bush is not burned. When the Lord had uh, saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near, take, off your sandal, take the sandals off your feet, for the place which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, and he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Egypt out of or its children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain. And then Moses said to God, if, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, God of your fathers has sent me to you, and then they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is his name forever, and thus I am to be remembered through all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob, has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I will promise that I will bring you out of your affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they, listen, they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now please, let us go a three days journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by the mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give his people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask for her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold and jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. 
And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it like most of us would. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. I'm not sure I would even do that. Um, I'd still be running. Um, so he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak, and he took it out, and behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside of your cloak. So he put his hand back inside of his cloak, and he brought it out, and behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said... Or listen to the first sign, that they may believe the latter sign. And if they will not believe even the two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground, and the water shall take from the, the, you take from the Nile shall become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, I am not eloquent, either in, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue. And the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you how you shall speak. But he said, O oh Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming to meet you. And he, if he, when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words, words in his mouth. And I will be with you. I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people. He shall be your mouth and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand the staff with which you shall do these signs. I know that was a lot, but I want you to understand like, we saw last week Moses doing this grand gesture, I mean, like going into Pharaoh's house and telling him, you're going to let the people go, and, and, and going back and back and back every time there was a plague and telling them, hey, you're going to do boldness that Moses had. And yet we look back at this story and we see it didn't start out that way. Like, I don't know about you, but like we're all commanded to go, Right? We're all commanded to go. We, we heard that a couple weeks ago when Bob came in and, and shared his message. We're all commanded to go. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and, and, and teach and preach. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That is a command that we have, right? It's, it's our church's mission, right? Y'all can talk back to me. Y'all going to have to this morning, okay? Talk back to you. It's the church's mission, right? Like the mission of this church is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Like that's the foundation of who we are at Doxa. So we know we are called to go. But sometimes, if you're like me, that command to go is not met with an emphatic, yes, God, here I am, send me. Tell you a little bit about me this morning. This is a little bit of my testimony. Some of you may believe this, some of you may not. Some of you may think I'm just completely out of my mind when I say this, but I'm an introvert. Okay? You may not believe it. You may be like, what? But I'm an introvert. Like I am, I am the most socially awkward person ever. Like this for me, okay? For some of you, like you're thinking about getting up here and speaking or getting up here and singing, that dry, like that would be enough to send you over the wall. Like, that's it. That's, I can't do that. Me, this is where I'm comfortable, okay? Keeping all of you out there and me staying up here, okay? Like, this is where I'm comfortable, okay? Like, you put me in a room of strangers. Like, I remember, I remember when, when, when I was in college, and like I had, I had a roommate, one of my best friends from high school, we were talking about we were going to college together. We were going to North Greenville together. He was going to be my roommate. Everything was cool, and he backed out. At, at like the last minute, and so, you know, move-in day, I was like, I have no idea who this guy is that I'm going to be spending the rest of this college time that I was there, you know, the, the, the long six years that I spent there. Um, I have no idea who this guy is. Like I, like, it, like, I was panic attacked the whole way there, right? Like, supposed to be exciting, no, I was like having a panic attack. Like, we're, I remember that first night, we're in the common area, and I'm sitting over there just like shaking, like, 
oh gosh, like I've got to speak to these people. I don't know them. Like this is awkward. Like, you know, I'm, I'm the socially awkward one that like, you know, says you too to everything. Like, like if you're at the grocery store and they say thank you and I'm like, you too. I'm like, what? You know, or something like that. So this is me, okay? And so when, when God called me into the ministry, you know, I was excited about going. I was 18 years old. I remember exactly what happened. I was on a mission trip in, in Warrington, Virginia, Farquay uh, High School. I remember being in the auditorium. I remember the, the, the message was on the Great Commission. And I remember God just grabbed a hold of my heart. And he says, you are gonna, you're going to go. You're going to be in the ministry, and, and, and specifically youth ministry. And I was fine with that because I've, I think I've always been a teenager at heart. Um, and so that was okay. Like, I can hang out with, with, with them, um, just not my own. Um, but I can hang out with, with teenagers and, 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 and get along with them. It's, it's like, you know, that, that was fine. But I remember going to North Greenville in the midst of all this, and I remember just walking around and noticing that everybody's better than me. Like, everybody's a better speaker than I was. Everybody was, like, like, they knew, like, where I thought I knew my Bible, they knew just a little bit more. And I remember sitting in class and, and going, I don't know if this is where I'm supposed to be. And I remember having this talk with God over the summer after my freshman year when I probably shouldn't have went back because I was failing every class, but, like, the class you have to take for being on academic probation. Um, and I was just like, God, I can't do this, like, God, this is not the desire that you placed on my heart. Like, you placed a desire on my heart to be, to be a restaurant manager or owner. Like, that, that was what was in my blood. And so I got through school, but that's where my focus was. And I ran from God for like six, seven, eight years until a friend of mine from elementary school that I had not talked to in, in ages called me out of the blue and told me about a position that was opening up at my home church and he says, God just told me you need, to, you need to go there. And I'm like, dude, you don't have a clue what's going on in my life, right? Like, you don't know. Like, and he's like, it doesn't matter. God is telling me you need to go. And I went. I'll never forget that night. I went, and I was scared out of my mind because I was sitting here going, like, I'm not prepared for this. Like, I'm not ready for this. Like, I'm not equipped for this, God. Like, I know you called me into the ministry, but I'm not... I'm not like, I don't have the necessary tools to do this. And from that point on, I was, it was go time. Like, you leave the restaurant behind. It was like I was on mission for God. And it's still tough. Like, it's still, like if you see me, like, again, like after the service and you notice, sometimes Lee just likes, he's by himself. Yeah, there's a reason for that. I'm a little bit awkward sometimes. I get a little nervous around people, um, even though, unless I know you. Like, if I know you, you can forget it. Like, David now knows that. I mean, like, we sit in the office and we, like, it's time to go. Like, we'll keep talking if somebody doesn't say, we got to leave. Because um, now once I'm, once I can talk, it's, it's not David, it's me, okay? It's me, all right? I'm, I'm the one that talked. Like, I'm surprised, like, Scott and Jess haven't just kicked me out of the house, like, some nights when we have a when we have life group. Because I'm, you know, once I get comfortable, you can buckle up because we're, we're there. But, but it takes me a little while. But that, that's my story. Like you, some, some of you may not even believe that, like looking at me and, and seeing me, but that's who I am. It's, it's hard for me sometimes when God calls me to do things. Like I, I have these, these hangups and these, these, these excuses sometimes I bring to God. And so I identify with Moses. When I, when, 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 when I read this story, like I'm like, that's not Moses, that's me. Like I'm the guy in the story going, who am I? That's me. So I, I just want to dive in. Like this, this morning we're going to look at the, the five excuses that Moses gave. And I want us to, to, to not really focus on, to, to put our perspective on those excuses, but let's look at the, the rebuttal that God gave him. Because I believe there's some of you this morning that God has called you to do ministry. God has called you to do ministry in your family. He's called you to do ministry at your job. He's called you to do ministry at your school. He's call, he may be calling you to go overseas. He may be calling you to do foreign missions. I don't know what he's calling you to do, but God is calling you to do something this morning. And, and, and I know there's somebody in here this morning that, that, that just is telling God, God, who, who am I? Like, why me? Like, you really should pick somebody else. And so this morning, I just want us to look at God's, God's rebuttal to every one of Moses' excuses and see exactly what God, I mean, because it will open your eyes. This is what, this is what, what has kept me in ministry is, just, is, is holding on to these truths that God told Moses. 
So let's go back there. The first one is self-doubt versus God's presence. In, 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 chapter, in chapter 3, verse 10, verse 10 through 12, it says this. This was the first one that Moses gave. He says, Come and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. He said, but I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve them again on this mountain. So Moses' excuse was, who am I? Who am I that you're going to send me to go to Pharaoh? Now, I mean, again, if you know Moses' story, like that's where he used to live, right? He was in Pharaoh's house. Like he was picked up out of the river by Pharaoh's daughter. Like he was brought into the house like he was there at one point in time. Like who else? Yeah, he had, he had some issues. You know, yeah, he killed a guy and they were after him. They wanted to kill him. But still, like that was your, that's, that's, you know these people, right? But Moses, he's like, who am I? He had, he had this self-doubt that was like, I'm not, I'm not a somebody, like I'm a nobody. Like, God, why would you want to send a nobody to Pharaoh? Like, you just said, you, 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 you've seen their affliction, right? You know what Pharaoh is doing to them, and yet you want to send me in there? Like, I'm a nobody. And what was God's rebuttal? God said, I'm going to be with you. Like, honestly, we understand this now. I mean, again, perspective is what it is. We, we look back on it now. We, we can say, hey, Moses, that should have been it, right? That should have been enough. Moses should have went with, well, if God's going to be with me, then I'm going to be fine. But no, Moses, he was like, no, no, you just don't understand, God. I'm a nobody. Like, you, you, need, you really need to send to somebody. See, that was his mistake, is he was thinking that he had to be a somebody. You see, God said, I will be with you. He says, not only, not only will I be with you in your presence when you go, but he says, I'm going to bring you back to this place and you're going to bring in victory the Israelites back here and you're going to worship me. Like He even gave him the end result. He said, this is what you're going to do, Moses. Like You're going to go do that. And you're going to do it because I'm going to be with you. You see, the problem that Moses had is he didn't realize. Like Self-doubt for a Christian is not a bad thing, really. Like, he was looking at it like it was a bad thing. Like, this is a bad quality to have. Like, I'm not supposed to doubt myself. No, no, no. As a Christian, it's okay to doubt yourself. Because when we go in with this self-pride and we say we can do it, it takes the glory away from God. You see, God wants nobodies. That's why he chose Moses. He wanted somebody that, that, was, that was questioning his, his self-worth, his, whether or not he was good enough to go. Because, see, when, when, when you are surrendered to God and you say, yes, I, I'll go, but I know that I'm a nobody and I know I need work, guess who gets glory? God gets all the glory. You see, it's okay. It's okay to have a little self-doubt. It's okay to be the nobody. Because guess what? If we, if we keep flipping through Scripture, God uses nobodies all the time. Like, there's some of us in here this morning, like, like I, was a, I was the nobody of nobodies, but God brought me out of that, and he's using me to, to impact people for his kingdom. Like, it's okay. But the main thing to understand is, like, the reason why he uses nobodies is because his presence is with them. Like, God's presence is there. There's nothing greater than God's presence, and Moses showed that. Number two. A lack of confidence versus God's word. We see there the second excuse Moses gave is he says, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? What shall I say to them? He's like, I, I, I'm not so sure, like, I've got this right, God. Okay, so it, 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 let's, say, let's say I'm okay with being a nobody, and, and I go, okay? So you're going to send me, that's fine. But, like, when I get there, when I get to the Israelites, like, who do I tell them sent me? Like, what, what, what am I supposed to say? You see, Moses, complete lack of confidence. I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Like, doesn't this, like, isn't this most of us when, we, when God tells us to go, and that's one of the main excuses we give? It's like, but God, what, what if that person asks me something I don't know? 
What, what if that person asks a hard question from the Bible and then, and then I'm like, I don't know the answer to it. You see, the problem is uh, it's a lack of confidence. It's a lack of confidence understanding the first point, who's with you. Like if God is with you and his presence is with you, then it doesn't matter what question is going to come up. Like God's going to give you the words to speak. Like he did that same thing with Moses. If, if you got your Bible open, look at f- verse 14 and just, just kind of follow along with your finger. We'll go kind of quick. But look there, four different times here. Verse 14, God said, and he said, say this to the people of Israel. Verse 15, God also said this to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Verse 16, go to the elders of Israel together and say to them. Verse 18, and they will listen to your voice and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him. You see what God did there? God put his word into Moses and just stripped him of that lack of confidence because it's not Moses speaking. See, that's the thing about it. It's not us speaking. You see, that's the, that's the thing. When we ask God a question like that, God, what happens if they ask me this? Or, or what am I supposed to say here? God's like, no, 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 you don't need to worry about it. I need you to be an open vessel just to go, and I'll give you the words to speak. God gave him an answer. He said to him four, four times there, he says, say this, say this, say this. He's going to give you the words to speak. And see, we, again, perspective, we have it even more sure on this side because what do we have? Hold, I mean, most of us got it in our hands. We got a digital copy of it. We probably got multiple copies. of it. We got God's word. God's physical word you have in your hands. So like to go to God and say, God, what shall I say? I think his answer is like, open the book? Like, I gave it to you? And see, that's why it's so important for us. Like, when we're called, we don't just like, I mean, if we're not careful, we can, we can hear point one and be like, okay, I'm just going to go. Like, I'm just, God, wherever you send me. No, it, sometimes we don't understand. Like, God is going to give us his presence and he's going to give us his word, but we've got to know it. Right? We've got to ingest it. We've got to bring it in. We've got to, we've got to meditate on it. We've got to read it. We've got to study it. We've got to talk about it. It's not enough just to say, God, I got your presence. I'm going to go. I know you're going to give me the words to speak. Yeah, but he's like, I also gave you common sense. When I gave you the word, I want you to take it in. That'd be like saying, I'm hungry. And taking a plate of food and going, smells good. What do I do with it? Like, you eat it. Come on. God's given us his word. He wants us. He said this in Psalms 119, 105. It says, your word is a lamp into my feet, a light into my path. Isaiah uh, 48, the grass withers, the flowers fades, but the word of the Lord shall stand forever. Peter, even in 2 Peter, he says, he's, he's in chapter 1, verse 19, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you shall pay close attention to as a lamp shining in a dark place. God gave us his word. So coming to God with this, with this lack of confidence going, what do I say? No, it's, it's over. That's done. Getting his word. Number three, inadequate anxiety versus God's work. So now Moses has got his presence, he's got his word, and now Moses says, but, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. Really? Okay, Moses, hold on. I mean, I could just, I could, I mean, like Moses, like, I, I don't know. It's almost as if God is talking to a teenager right here, right? I mean, is that what it is like? I feel like, I feel like when I read this, it's like me talking to my son, and, and then he humbles me and reminds me of that. Um, but he says, I, they won't even listen to me. Like, you're going to give me your words, but God, they're not going to listen to me. So, so then, then what do I do? And I, mean, I can just imagine God just kind of taking a deep breath and be like, okay, you got a staff in your hand, right? Yeah, throw it on the ground. It becomes a snake. Again, Moses, we, we just read it. He ran from it. And then he says, pick it back up, which I think takes more faith than anything, right? I mean, again, let's, let's I mean, think about that. Some of you, if it turned into a snake, you wouldn't go back to see God. Like that burning bush is gone. Like you are, you are, you are in the field. You're, you're like knocking over sheep to get out of there. 
But God told him, he said, go pick it up. And he has faith enough to pick up the snake and it becomes a staff again. And God says, okay, there, there you go. Like, that's it, right? No, God has to give him another sign. He says, put your hand inside your cloak. He puts his hand inside his cloak, it comes out. I mean, can you imagine that for a minute? You put your hand inside your jacket, it comes out, it's leprosy all over your hand. It's like snow white, it's just, it's nasty. Now you're unclean. Like, oh, what am I supposed to do here? Like, now I can't go to anybody. Moses is probably thinking, okay, just keep it, then I'm good. You know, I can just be a hermit the rest of my life. God says, no, put it back in your cloak. He puts it back in there again, pulls it out, it's gone. And then God says, if they don't believe that, if they're going to look at those things, okay, my people, if the Israelites are going to look at those and not believe me, he says, then fine. I'll go to the Nile, get some water out, it'll turn to blood. He's sort of foreshadowing the plagues that he's going to do to Pharaoh because Pharaoh won't listen to him. But see, Moses here is worried. Like Moses is like, okay, I've got God's presence, I've got God's word, but then if I go to him and like they don't believe me, even though I've got his presence and his word, then what, what happens next? And God says, I will give you like supernatural signs. Now, this is where some of y'all are probably like going, hmm, that didn't happen today, Lee. Okay. It may not happen like throwing a stick on the ground and it turning into a snake. But I've been there in situations where God has called me. I'll give you an example. I know it may, it may not sound like much, but I, I know without a shadow of a doubt this was God. It was his spirit moving, and it was a supernatural thing that happened because I can't explain it. I was at, at uh, the gas station, probably QT, because that's where I like to go. And I'm getting gas. Guy comes up to me, and he's like, I'm in my UPS uniform. In a UPS uniform, like, people think we've got money. Like, no. <laughs> they don't know. Like, I need something that says part-time and broke on my uniform. Um, but I have these, these people come up to me, and this guy came up to me, and, you know, you know, you never know when people come up to you and ask you for money or food or whatever. You never know what they're going to do, and it's kind of one of these great, you're like, I don't know. But, like, this time, like, I knew, right? Like, God had already, like, prepared me for this. For, you know, I didn't understand it. It didn't make sense. The guy comes up, and, like, my immediate, my immediate reaction, because I knew I didn't have any cash in my wallet whatsoever. I told him, I said, bro, I'd love to be able to help you. Like, I can go inside and get you something to eat. And, and you know, if you want something to eat, all I got is a debit card. I got no cash. And he's like, well, I really, what I really need is, you know, I need, I need some money to get gas, to go, whatever. And I was like, I don't, need, I don't care about the story. I, I want to help you, but right now I can't help you. And he was persistent. Like, he's like, you sure you don't have any cash? Like, you don't have anything? And I'm like, dude, like, I remember looking in my wallet before I got gas. There was nothing in there. And I opened up my wallet, and there's a $20 bill in there. I don't know how I got there. I swear, I mean, and I'm, I'm telling you the truth. There was not any money in my wallet when, when, when he came up upon me. I had already looked. And I have no doubt in my mind that that was God doing something in that moment. Now, I don't know if that $20 was in my pocket, like it got washed and it was already in there, and somehow it kind of moved my leg to make it go in my wallet. I don't know. But listen, it doesn't matter because God did it. I have no doubt in my mind that God did that because when I handed him the $20, he said, this is all I need. And he turned around and he walked off. Again, I don't, I don't know what happened to him, but all I know is that was a moment where I was like, okay, God, like, what just happened? Like, and if you can do it again, let's do it again. But it didn't happen that way. But, like, he does think, like, I mean, have you ever understood, like, sometimes you're going somewhere, and like, something in your schedule changes, and you're like, why did this happen? Like, there's no reason for it to happen, but you end up somewhere. And like you don't know how you ended up there, but then you realize like a little bit later and when you, when you get perspective on it and you look back, you're like, that was God doing something. He, he, he closed the door here to move me here so I would be there and be open and be ready to do what God wanted me to do. That's supernatural. I don't believe in coincidence. Like I don't believe it happens. I believe God works everything out. I believe God moves in such a way that sometimes it makes us question, what happened? That's God moving. Like when you say yes to God and you're going to go, like God is going to move some things and God is going to do some things that don't make sense because he's got to put you in a right place, in a right position for you to do the work of God. You see, here Moses was, he was worried sick. Like, I don't know, like if they don't, they're not going to believe anything I say. And God said, hey, just do what I tell you to do and everything's going to work out fine. In Romans 15, Paul says this. 
He says, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the powers of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Elysium, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Again, I'm not going to say that we're going out here and we're healing lepers that are sitting on the side of the road. But God is doing something supernatural, and we can't deny it. And I believe for some of us, that's one of those things that we like to doubt. We like to say, God doesn't do it the same way he used to do it. So, I mean, I really can't go out there and expect God to do anything now. That's a lie of the devil. You got faith. Like if you're faithful enough to say, yes, God, I'll go. Like if you really get down to it and say, okay, God, I'll go. He's going to do some supernatural things that's going to blow your mind. Because he's God and we aren't, right? He wants glory. Number four, a lack of skills versus God's creation. So Moses, again, he keeps getting these, these rebuttals from God, and it's like, okay, what do I got to say to get this guy off my back? You know. And so Moses comes out and he says, okay, well, well God, I, I, I'm not eloquent. Like, I can't talk good, okay? Like, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant, like, I am not, like, I'm slow to speak. Like, you're telling me to go to Pharaoh and, like, it's not going to end well because I'm going to stutter and going to be all over my words and everything. And, again, the further along we get in this, this, this passage, I just see God just, I mean, man, he's frustrated. He's like, who's made man's mouth? Like, that question. I mean, like, you know he's, like, cutting Moses deep right there. Like, who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. Like, Moses, I'm getting a little irritated with you. Go, and I will be with your mouth. And I will teach you what to say. Like, we've already been through this, Moses. I will put the words in your mouth. Like, just go and do what I've told you to do. Man, I feel like I'm talking to Brotman. Um, my mom is probably watching. She's like, no, that's me talking to you. Um, but Moses, now he turns it and he says, now there's a lack of physical skill here. I don't have the things that I need. I'm not equipped to go and do what you called me to do, God. Like, if you call me to go, like, like you know, tend sheep somewhere, I'm good. We got that down. But, like, to go talk to Pharaoh, like, no, 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 I can't do that. I don't, I'm not equipped to do that. You see, this is one of those things that, that I told God for years. It's one of those things that when people tell me they're, 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 they're hearing God send them somewhere, it's one of the things that always tends to creep up. But I, I'm just not, I don't think I'm ready. I just don't think I'm ready yet. Here's the deal. If you wait until you're ready, you'll never go. Like again, God wants this empty vessel to use so that He can get the glory. He doesn't need you to be perfect in everything. Like, he's not calling people who, who are perfect in everything. He's not calling Moses this great order to go speak to, like, like a lawyer to go talk the Israelites out of, or the Pharaoh out of giving the Israelites away. No. He's sending, at this point in time, Moses is a shepherd out in the field. Yeah, he wants somebody that can't talk good because at the end of the day, God says, I want them to be able to look at you and go, that can't be Moses. That's got to be God. You see, that's what he wants out of us. He wants us who are ill-equipped. I remember I had a pastor friend of mine tell me that one time. I just kept telling him, I'm like, look, I just don't know. Like, I just don't know if I'm ready to go into the ministry. Like, I'd already accepted a position and I was still going. I don't, like, I don't know. Like, I like hanging around teenagers and it's fun. But like, I don't know, like, when they start asking questions, like hard questions, like when, when it's time to go, like, Study the Bible. Like, I don't know, I don't know what I'm, like, I'm not ready for this. I remember the first time my pastor that I was serving under asked me to preach. He's like, I think you're ready to preach. And I'm like, no. Like, you don't understand. Like, this is not going to go well. Like, I just don't think it's going to go well. I think my first sermon was like almost an hour and 45 minutes long. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. I did it on youth ministry, and I was really excited about it, and I thought, this will be good. And then I got up there and just was like, blah, 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 just rambling on. I mean, and they were so gracious with me. I only think one family left to go to lunch. Um, but 
Like, I remember going, I was like, I'm not equipped to do this. I remember when, when God was calling me to be a pastor of a church. I remember it was so funny because I told, I told some friends of mine that were in the ministry, I said, look, I said, I never will be a pastor. I will never be a pastor. Like, that is work I don't want to have anything to do with. Don't you ever tell God never. And some of you have already told him never. Like, I'm never going to go overseas. God's never going to do that. <laughs> Just wait. God has a sense of humor, y'all. He's a, he's a, he laughs, okay? He's not just full of wrath. He's a, he's a funny God, okay? He's funny sometimes. Because he likes it when his people say, I'm never going to do this because he's going to say, okay, watch it, because now I'm really going to show you I'm God. And I became a pastor for like three and a half, four years. And, you know, again, looking back on it with a little bit of perspective, I understand now why he did that. Like I understand now he was preparing me for the place that I am here. You see, when we go to God and we say, God, I don't have the necessary skills, he's like, good. That's perfect. This is exactly what I want. I'm like, what are you talking about, God? No, I need you to not have skills because I'm going to give you what you need. He told Moses, he said, I made you. Like, see, that's the thing. When, we th when, we, when you stop for just a second and think about that, I mean, just think about that for a moment. Like, you're talking to the God who created you about what he created. You're looking at God going, God, I can't do this. And God's like going, I know. I made you that way so that at this moment, at this crossroads in time where I'm going to come to you and I'm going to tell you to do this thing, I know you don't have the necessary skills to do it because I need you to be an open vessel. Notice that? That's the thing, that's the thing for this message. It's be an open vessel. Have open hands of surrender because I need to use you. And I'm going to give you what you're... Listen, every time that I've been used by God, I look back on it and I go, Wow. God did that because there's no way I could have done it. You see, Psalms 139, he tells us this. We all know this, this passage. It says, for you formed me, my, in, my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful works, wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. You are made by God to do God's work. So when you come to him and say you're ill-equipped, he's like, yes, let's do this. His creation will always trump your lack of skill, and it's okay because he is going to get the glory for it, not you. Number five, doubt-filled refusal versus God's community. Now Moses is like, I'm done. Like, I don't have any more bullets in the gun other than just telling him I ain't going. And so he says this in verse 13 of chapter 4. He says, but, but he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Not exactly what I would have chosen. Like, I don't know if I would have done this. Okay, you've got a, a bush that's burning, that's not being consumed. Okay, I'm already, I, I'm hiding my face. This is God talking. Like, I'm telling God, no, I don't want to go. Like, to his face. As much as it can be his face. But, like, I would be worried that, like, the burning bush would be a burning Moses. You know what I'm saying? That's what would happen. But Moses, I mean, he's just, he's, no, I'm done. I, I, you got to send somebody else. And then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And, I mean, I can just hear, like, God's gritting his teeth now. And he's like, you, what about Aaron, you know? See, that's the great thing. God wanted to use, like, he, he's got a plan for Moses. And even though Moses is trying to stop him at every turn, God's like, no, 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 no. no Moses, we're using you. This is my plan, and it's going, it's going to happen. And he says, what about your brother Aaron? He can speak well, right? Well, yeah. All right, well, then you're going to go meet him, and then I'm going to put the two of you together, and I'm going to use his strengths, and I'm going to use you to be the vessel of my words to give to Aaron to go to Pharaoh and get, get these people out. You see, God said in Moses' excuse to send somebody else, he says, fine, I'll take the other person you have in mind to go and I'll bring them to you and I'll let you do it together. You see, God has put us here for a reason, right? God has put us in this community for a reason. You are each here at Doxa Church for a reason. And for some of us, for some of us, it's because we need that other part, we need, like, for some of you this morning, God is calling you. 
okay? And there's an errand to your Moses in this room. Like you are fed up with God and you're like, God, I know I can't go. I know I can't go. I can't do that. I can't do like you're just you're just, you're just, you're putting them out at every turn. You're building up walls. You're doing everything you can to say no. And God's like, but what about so and so? Like if it, like I've got somebody that's equipped that will help you. This is what's awesome about life groups. Because God puts you in that life group to, to be with those people to do life together. Listen, sometimes God's going to call you to do something and we're going to need help. We're not doing this alone. And so God says, fine, you want me to send somebody else? I'll bring Aaron along with you and you two will go together. Some of you this morning, you need to just look around and you need to find your Aaron this morning. You need to pray for it. Maybe, maybe it's already happened and you don't even know it yet. Hebrews 10 verse 24 says, And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Like, we're in community for a reason. That's why when you try to do it, and I've been there, I've tried to do church by myself, right? I've tried to be on a couch congregation somewhere and watching it online and being like, I'm getting my feel, I'm good and everything. No, 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 no. There's nothing like being a part of a community because God is going to use it to get glory. Like if the mission of our church is to glorify God through the Great Commission, right? To the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Like that means he's brought us together to do this together. When God calls you out to do something, he's not calling you out by yourself. He's calling you to like sometimes like even if it's let's just do it simple. OK, maybe you're at the gas station and God's calling you. Maybe he's like giving you this. thing. Hey, I need you to go talk to so and so. We've all got somebody sitting in this room that we could text in a, in a split second. and We know they're going to be praying for us. Don't even need details. They will just stop what they're doing and they will pray. Maybe, maybe you've been called to go talk to a neighbor and, and, and you just aren't feeling it. Like, I, God, I don't know. I don't know. But you know there's somebody else that you, that you do community with, that you do life with in this church that, that knows them or knows their situation. Or maybe they've got something in common and you can go together. You see, God has put you in community for a reason. And so in all five of these excuses that, God, that Moses has given to God. God has trumped him on every single one of them. And we know from last week, we know the story of what happened. Like, they're on the other side of the Red Sea, right? He delivered the people. Like, Moses did it. Moses had no idea when he's sitting here telling God, no, send somebody else, what was going to happen. That he was going to walk into Pharaoh's house and he was going to demand that he let the people go. And that plague after plague after plague was going to happen. That he was going to walk the people through the Passover. That he was going to walk them across on dry land through the Red Sea. Moses had no idea that was going to happen. Let me tell you something this morning. Don't shortchange God. If he's called you to do something, I guarantee you what's happening on the other side, on the perspective of the future, when you don't know what's going to happen, I guarantee you it's going to be more than you can ever imagine when you look back and you see what all God has done and it will all be for his glory because he uses nobodies that are open vessels to do his work. So this morning, as we close, listen, I got one question to ask you, okay? If we have all been called to go, what's stopping you? You see, a message like this, this is, this is kind of an easy one to wrap up because, like, all i got to do is ask you this question. What's stopping you? Because I believe in a, in a group this size, in a room this big, God is calling you to do something. God is calling some of you right now. God may have called you to do something this week, and you have worked it out in your mind, and you're trying to figure out a way to get out of it. Or you're trying to say, all right, God, if I just ignore God long enough, he'll send somebody else. Don't shortchange God on this. He's going to get glory and he wants to use you. You see, we look at somebody like, like Moses in the Old Testament and we see this. But we're studying and we have been studying and when David gets back, we're going to jump back into 1 Peter. We've been studying about Peter, right? Think about Peter for a moment. Think about his walk with the Lord for just a moment. Jesus came up to Peter and he says, follow me. And what did Peter do? He didn't, he didn't come up with an excuse why he couldn't go. He just left. 
He dropped everything he had and he followed Jesus. And then even after it seemed the bleakest, after he's already said, you know, he's already denied Christ and, and, and all that's happened and it just seemed like Christ has died, but now he's risen from the, from the dead and he's seen his resurrected body and Jesus has told him to go. Now Peter at Pentecost, what happens? He preaches one of the best sermons that have ever been preached, ever. Acts 2, I mean, just go read it. It is amazing. And God did that through a fisherman. Peter, think about in, in Acts, Peter, he healed a beggar on his way to the temple. Him and John on the way to the temple. Like, this was the same Peter that, like, he, he just, he, he run off at the mouth and he always stuck his foot in his mouth and, and it was just, oh, Peter, come on. And no, he's got the power now through the Holy Spirit to do supernatural works. Peter was, again, a fisherman. He wasn't, a, he wasn't, a, he wasn't equipped to, to lead the church. But thanks be to God, we got Peter that started the church. Like, he's the reason why we're here this morning. And then Peter had the other disciples. If you go back and you read and you read Acts and you see all the things that Peter did in, in the early church, like he had John with him. He had the other disciples with him. Like when he's gone to, to talk to the, to the, 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 in the temple to the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, he's in there talking to them and they're telling him, don't you dare speak of Jesus' name again. Who's back in, 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 there at the house praying for boldness? Like, do you want to be Moses? In this moment, do you want to be Moses and be like, God, I don't know. Or do you want to be like Peter? And be like, God, fine, whatever, I'll go. If we look at both men, both men did amazing things for God. One just took a little bit longer to get there than the other one did. And I'm not saying Peter's perfect because he had his flaws. But Peter was ready. Regardless, Peter was an open vessel. And we see what God did through Peter. When we look at Acts and we see what he did with the church. I'm just going to ask you, what's stopping you this morning? Like there are plenty of stories in the Bible. It, it doesn't take much for us to read all these stories of how God used a nobody. How God used somebody that was ill-equipped, that couldn't speak or, or couldn't do the work right, or, or they, 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 they were just a little bit off. That God used people that, that, that just, when the world looked at them, they're like, God, why are you using that person? Somebody over here is so much better equipped than they are. Like, what's stopping you this morning? Because God wants to be glorified, and He wants to use you, and He wants to do amazing things through you. He wants to change people's lives, and He wants to use you to do it. For some of you, I know this morning, that is a scary thing. I know some of you are like, I just don't know. Some of you, a, a few weeks back, probably heard Bob's message, and you were scared out of your mind because you're like, if I surrender to God, like this is what everybody does. We surrender to God. He's going to tell me to go somewhere I don't want to go. If I surrender to God, He's going to tell me to do something that I don't want to do. He's going to tell me to go talk to that person that's hard to talk to. He's going to tell me to go to that family member that I really don't like, but that needs Jesus, and he's going, to, he's going to have me go do it. Can I tell you something this morning? I can't guarantee what God's going to call you to do. He may call you to the ends of the earth. I never would have imagined when Stacy and I met that she'd be the first one to take an international mission trip by herself. Like, when God called you to go to Haiti, you didn't jump up and go, yes, God, let's go. You, you, she had some reservations about it. But what God has done in her heart through that, okay, God, I'll go, is more than, I mean... We can't even begin to tell you what God's done. You see, God is going to be glorified one way or the other. But He wants to use you this morning. And so if you've got something that's holding you back this morning, if you've got an excuse to give God, as they're, as they're playing this morning, as they're singing this song, I, I'm just going to say, and, and again, some people are like, no, I don't want to get up. No, listen, 
Sometimes it helps us to do this. Sometimes we need to physically get up and bring whatever that is to the altar. And then leave it here. If you're looking at God this morning, you're saying, God, I just don't know if I can do this. Bring it to the altar, lay it down, and leave it here. And walk out of this place and say, okay, God, I'm an open vessel with open hands that is surrendering to you, and I will go and do whatever it is you call me to do. And let me tell you something. Yes, it's going to be a little bit scary. Of course it's going to be scary. It's something new. It's something that you would have never in a million years thought you would do. But let me tell you something. God is going to be glorified through it, and it's going to be amazing. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this opportunity that you've given us to be here this morning. God, I pray right now that as we worship you, God, that you are breaking down excuses right now. Father, that you are tearing down walls right now. Father, that your spirit is moving in such a way right now that, that, that hearts are being softened and we're being honest with ourselves and we're saying, yes, God, I have told you no. And yes, God, I've told you I'll never do this. And yes, God, I told you I'm not good enough. I'm not equipped. But God, I know that you're going to bring that to the altar. You're going to have people bringing that to the altar this morning and dropping it down and saying, you know what? I want to go. God, I want you to use me. Whatever it is, I'm ready. Here I am. Send me. Father, we thank you. Father, we pray that you just move through this place. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from God's Word. If you have any questions about the topic of this sermon, or if you would like someone to follow up with you about applying this to your life, please reach out to us at info at doxaupstate.church. You are loved.